Father Chris's burning issue up next. In 1967, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King walked up to the pulpit at his Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. What followed was a sermon on non-violence that has inspired Christians and pacifists ever since. Chris, you actually quoted Martin Luther King in your Easter sermon, Loving Your Enemy. Well, I've dug out the actual audio, also one of your favourite songs, the song James Taylor performed about Martin Luther King. Shall we listen to both? Let's do it. Okay, the music, and then the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King telling his congregation to love the Klansmen and the sheriffs, even though they lynched and jailed and bombed. Let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther King That we are bound together in our desire to see the world become a place in which our children can grow free and strong. From our homes and threaten our children, and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hour and drag us out on some wayside road and leave us half dead as you beat us, and we will still love you. Send your propaganda agents around the country make it appear that we are not fit culturally and otherwise for integration, but we'll still love you. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day we will win our freedom. We will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will so appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win you in the process. And our victory will be a double victory. Chris, it's hard not to be moved. Indeed. And as I've sort of grown into the life of nonviolence, understanding Dr. King when he wants us to love those people who are the least kind to us is is a very difficult thing to do. But for me as a Christian, the only uh, valid pathway that I can find to live out the teachings of Jesus and to have a spiritual existence in this very broken world. And Venus, it's striking how similar King's themes are to the precepts or the principles of the Baha'i faith. Absolutely. We're encouraged to love one another for the sake of God and not for themselves. And should there be a time where one is hurt by the other, then love for God enables us to to carry on. And a firm belief in the inevitability of universal peace. Bahá'u'lláh says that world peace is not only possible but inevitable. The whole purpose of this faith is to help work towards universal peace, everlasting peace. I guess the recognition of the oneness of humanity is the path which will lead to that process. Even if they are the Ku Klux Klan or I guess the mullahs in Iran, does it go that far? Look, justice is also a very important principle in the Baha'i faith. So, you know, if atrocities are happening, then justice is also important to be upheld. 
is that something Christianity can learn a little from with the love your enemy message? The thing about love is love doesn't just mean having stars in your eyes about every other person and thinking, oh, well, let's all be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if everyone was nice? Sometimes the best way to love another person is to help them recognise the evil or wrong that they're part of, not just a a particular grievous ill that they've done, but also that they're part of a, a system that is corrupt and sick. So, uh, you know, in the activism that I'm involved with um, for refugees and asylum seekers, we want to love people who work for Border Force. We want to love the immigration minister. We want to... How's that going? uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But we do our best and we pray for that. But part of loving them means that uh, helping them to see the injustice of the system that they're part of. And the same for the the great swathe of people around the country who are indifferent to the issue. We want to love those people enough that they come to an awareness that it's being done in their name. And so sometimes loving someone can be a very uncomfortable business indeed. When conflict takes on its violent form in war, there are Christian denominations who refuse to participate. Mennonites, Brethren, Quakers, some Methodists, Seventh-day Adventists. Where do you sit? There are certain instances where I would engage in military action, certain very few, and broadly under a just war theory um, heading, uh, if there was immediate threat to, you know, the, the place I lived. But... Generally speaking these days, there are not many wars, uh, particularly for for Australians, where our own territory is at risk or our own lives are at risk. Typically, we're brought into wars that are are more about expanding the influence of empire or protecting the empire's interests. Simply being involved in a conflict to protect trade or geopolitical dominance is not a valid reason. Yeah, I tend to agree with Father Chris, but also that we need to be working towards, you know, a a real universal framework. What we've seen through the analysis of history is a lot of painful Band-Aid solutions. And if we want lasting peace, then we need to work towards a framework that uh, encourages the elimination of racism, equality of men and women, eliminating the extremes of wealth and poverty. And when the Baha'is say they want a framework, you guys mean world government? Yeah, working towards something where every country is part of one human body, like one human family. And there are precedents. For century after century, Europeans would kill themselves in the millions. Uh, European unity post-World War II has seen, apart from Yugoslavia, unprecedented peace in that continent is the idea that if the world could take on that kind of collective governance, that that peace could be spread universally. Absolutely. The Baha'i perspective is to see the whole world as one country. We need to see um, every country as being important to the collective and the peace and security of every country being considered and safeguarded. 